0: Hey, this is Bob and the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point. And brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is our name of our show. Not the Chuck part. <laughs> no, it, Just don't, it, don't it's die. It's not even stop, stop dying. dying. don't die. I know.
1: I, I, <laughs> I just why. have this routine I have
0: to go through. <laughs> Don't die is the name of the show. and uh, and people are not adhering to the rules including including our co hosts So I mean what yeah. what good is this podcast, Doug? People are dying every second. I want to read you something that happened today. You want to hear something that happened in my life today? Okay. you have a friend of mine that was in, that's in sober living? He texts me at, I'm going to go in real time. I also had a good friend die today that Elijah knows. Um, uh, the death is just unbelievable. Let me just find this text message. So, okay, I get this text from a friend of mine who's in sober living at at 332 Bob, I just found him my roommate OD'd in the bathroom. I narcanned him four times, and two of us did CPR until 911 got here, but he was too far gone. Nobody could ha- save him. He's gone. I've saved three fellow junkies in my life, but this is the first time. A dead body I'm numb I said oh my god and then he he said I think he was gone before we broke down the door the most purple I've ever seen somebody it was fentanyl foil was in his hand we tried but well he's gone and I can't help thinking that that could have been me six times six different times he's been you know
1: right now Uh,
0: I was just feeling sorry for myself because no job prospects, and they cut off my gr. But Bob, there's a dead guy twenty feet away from me right now. Fuck. And then I wrote it so sad and stupid and confusing. Everyone will say he he is at peace now. Yeah. <laughs> is he though? Is he though? I know I'm not. <laughs> and, and then he wrote, "He don't look at peace. At peace. At peace." Question mark. My life fucking sucks right now, but I'm re- I'm not ready to die yet. Fuck that. And then uh, And then he's a big movie fan So he wrote a quote out of the movie Full Metal Jacket For those baby boomers and Gen Xers At home, one of our favorite movies Of all time Mm -hmm. In in Full Metal Jacket, the quote from I think Joker is The dead know only one thing That it's better to be alive (laughs) 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 So I had to open up With such a somber thing This happened to one of my good friends I mean, Elijah's known this guy since he was born Um and it's just like, fuck. He's in sober living. He's turning his life around finally at 55 years old. And his roommate ODs and dies. And now he's got to wait for the coroner. That's the drug world, Chucky boy. That's a slap in the face, isn't it? You know I, I think the only solution to this is to have less
2: friends. I think I'm going to just have less <laughs> friends. <laughs> because
0: <laughs> the more people you know, the more people are going to die it's crazy iPad. like so so is, it's i have I haven't even gone on the cdc website probably in since you know since all the mike stuff since like november what did 2023 end up like 110,000 people died of drug overdoses 110,000 i was up on the phone today i'm trying to do this tv show about um about the ride alongs about social workers and counselors going out with police now I'm trying to pitch it. And, um, and one of the guys I'm doing it with is recovering addict. He said, Bob, I just, I got to send you this thing. More people now have died of drug overdoses in America than died in all of America's wars, including the civil war. How That's fucking nuts is that? More people have died of drugs in America then died in all of our wars. Just so you know, the year I went to treatment in 1988, you can look it up on the CDC website. In the year I went to treatment, when they told me in treatment every fucking day I was going to die of drugs, the chances I was going to die of drugs are slim and none. 3,600 people died of a drug overdose in the entire United States that year. Now now that number, 3,600 die in LA County. Think about that. (laughs) Think about that. It's crazy the amount of death, and and it, and it, and it just touched, so it what touched would that be a month?
2: That that would be uh, 10, 11,
3: 11, give or take 10,000 10, yeah. in the U.S.
0: It's about what the yeah that's what the twenty twenty two so so, so now a month a month not even, a month is almost three times what the yearly was, and so the, it's not like America just seems like oh it's addicts they get it they do it to themselves. And they don't seem to be noticing. It's their next door neighbor's son. It's this guy that died today that's in sober living. Another, here's another thing. You know how they used to say, don't talk about AA, that you're in AA, because if you relapse, it'll be a bad example. We should maybe not mention that a lot of these deaths are in sober living. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, if you own a sober people, living,
1: people. you
2: don't want us talking about this, <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. People don't want to go. Like isn't well, where people
0: go to, to go and die yeah,
2: that's, but just it ups the odds then too if you've got six people that are drug addicts that use fentanyl and when they relapse they're good they are going to use fentanyl because because of the suboxone it's the only thing that's going to hit anyhow Um,
0: I wonder if you can I you know you have to have I mean there's so many rules in the state of California about rehab but I think you have to have a lock door in sober living you need you're entitled to your privacy so this guy was probably in the bathroom when they're saying they kicked down the door he's probably in the bathroom no telling how long the guy was in there for you know how people go to work or they go to an AA meeting or they're watching tv or they got headphones on so he could have been in there for a couple hours dead you know what i mean Well, not in a sober
2: living because someone's always got to use the toilet so they probably they probably knocked on the door although My friend uh, Darren uh, overdosed in a bathroom in a sober living and he was there overnight. Overnight? They didn't Uh, notice?
0: See, that's another thing we should probably not mention on our show. No,
2: but that's the difference between
0: treatment (laughs) and and, and okay. Wait a minute. I just want to clear a guy in the bathroom in a sober living and nobody noticed till the next day. That's fucking amazing. So here's the thing you know, you can either, you can die in a motel room like people used to, or you can die as long as you're going to choose to go back to using these dangerous substances at the levels and in the route of administration that you do. Because when it started happening in Huntington Beach, I talked to a bunch of people I know down there, our old junkie punk rockers. These people were sober and would shoot fentanyl. Like, some people are too dumb for the fucking existence at, at a certain point, right? Like, if yeah. I'm going well, back to fentanyl, if I'm if I'm three months clean, I'm going back to fentanyl, I'm never shooting it. Like, I just know myself. Well, I know how I was. You, you build up with a tolerance, heroin.
2: just like anything. So, that's... But uh, Darren didn't shoot it. Darren smoked it. Same thing. Found the foil. You know, the foil's there. The fucking trail is there, you know? So, it wasn't even... Wasn't even in a in a pipe or anything. It was you but know. Did the
0: they way- die instantly? They did they die they like die- within five ten minutes or? Did I they told die you guys over about. An hour, an hour. I told
3: you guys about how they about how the kids my age use it is that they hit it. The they hit it. They wait to feel an OD and then they hit cracker meth. They wait to feel the oh, yeah. OD coming on so that they get the max. The I know, but so they
0: say they don't time. get the but. But what I'm asking is how long it takes. So,
2: fast. so it can be it, it
0: can be really estimate, really fast. You guys got to listen. There's new evidence that millions of Americans are using fentanyl in one form or another. Millions with an M. Yeah, because it's in every drug. So yeah. millions of people aren't dying. Only handfuls or hundred a day or whatever. But but so actually how many but so like so, a hundred thousand
2: i had Maybe. a girl overdose um on property at one of the places i worked where she said she was hitting the pipe and then came to in the ambulance didn't even feel the fallout didn't even know anything other than she's hitting the pipe next thing she knows she's in the well, back yeah, of i the don't ambulance. know what hitting
0: the i'm Dude, she, I haven't she done wasn't, drugs. She, she haven't wasn't done, doing stop! Stop. stop! I haven't done drugs in 27 years. So hitting the pipe in my day meant taking a crack hit. Okay. Where's hitting you the pipe in this day and age? You put, put fentanyl, fentanyl in a crack in a
2: not pipe? a crack pipe, not with a Brillo, with in
3: a, in a meth pipe.
2: In a meth pipe, oh my.
1: <laughs> and you roll around. <laughs> Good God!
0: Oh God! Now we're explaining <laughs> to kids how to do drugs. This has started off terribly wrong. We we're supposed <laughs> to be of,
1: like, anyway. But, I just you know, want you to know, know how to do it <laughs> I just
0: want you to know that we're making little to no impact. I think we were delusional last year when we thought we were making a difference, or you know like <laughs> no. it, it's like <laughs> isn't that number <laughs> I've known to be be delusional at times but but anyways, uh the death is all around us, and No telling what's gonna when when it will let up. I don't I don't think it will. When I read the first thing about fentanyl in the New York New Yorker magazine, there was a guy dealing fentanyl from a penthouse, a hundred story building in in Beijing in China, and he was delivering it to Americans' doorsteps. And the profit Mm -hmm. for that American that was getting it. This was like fifteen years ago when it was still nobody really knew about it. The profit for, I think, forty five hundred dollars worth of fentanyl you're buying from a Chinese distributor, translated to thirteen million dollars worth of product when cut correctly. And I looked, I read the paragraph like three times, to, you know, because the New Yorker is pretty hoity toity. I didn't know if I was seeing it correctly. So get the math equation: forty five hundred dollars would gain you. 13 million dollars in product and when i read that i thought here it comes and it's never going to go away as long as there's you know 12 million nine hundred and ninety nine thousand like i can't even i can't even do the math 99 12 million 996 thousand dollars in profit that's mm-hmm. good profit. That's good. That's a good return on your money. Yeah, that's like, a
2: heck of a return.
0: <laughs> so that that now it got kind of banned in China but it's going through Mexico and it's all every which way um the price is the profit has probably gone down to maybe 500 thousand dollars per, per, per like, it's, still, it's still so still, much five grand investment to make 500 grand I think many Americans would get into that business we're teaching them how to get, get make, into the business go. now yeah yeah <laughs> so so yeah we're no. oh, See, this, is what happens. this is what happens in a in a fragile infantile society you're worried about what you say because you'll mm-hmm. get the blame for somebody else's action Right. Yeah. So, oh, they said they told my son how to cut, how to buy drugs or sell drugs on a podcast, and then somebody will sue us or or hold us accountable morally instead of the person who did that thing. Right? It's it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. So oh, everybody annoying. watches <laughs> their tongue about what they say. But I'm just here to say, an unbelievably sad plague is on our society. No one cares everyone's so obsessed with their own, you know, red team, b- blue team. Do you know, Chuck, you're, I know you hate politics. Do you know we're hitting, we're heading into an election year and it's going to yes. be nothing but red team, blue team for the next eight months. I, I just wanted to tell you that.
2: I'm going to ignore the fuck out of it. I'm going to be so far from listening to anybody. I, I get <laughs> videos and um things from people on um People that I know on, t- you know, I get I get things on on both sides about how evil the Republicans are and how uh, it's usually that the uh, liberals are stupid and the yeah. Republicans are evil. So it, I, I get these things from from both sides regularly. And it's just like I, I don't even open them anymore because it just it makes me batty. Once I start paying attention to it, it you know, it's, it's just, coming. I, it, I, can I know, it. but, it's,
0: but, it's not, hiring, but it's not the world that hiring. I live in. Well, here John Stewart's going to do the Comedy Central or whatever that he's going back to the news show just so we can celebrate the Blue Team every night. Right, no, because echo it's chamber. entertainment, not yeah, politics. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's, it's, it's not, not
2: politics. It's, it's entertainment. It's WWE now. It's gone from yeah, yeah. football to WWE. It's ridiculous.
0: But I think it's going to be taken to the next level this time. <laughs> How can it not be? I look think, at look at the characters remember, in it. Re, re, I remember. When, when uh, you know, when I was a kid, wrestling was like Gorgeous George, and they, it was real slow. And they'd they the they yeah, grab the microphone, and they it was real. You know, there was very little fighting, a lot of talking, and it was very slow. They would walk, walk around holding the guy in a headlock. My dad just take me to the Olympic Auditorium and see wrestling and roller derby too. By the way,
1: the, the Thunderbirds used to, used roller to be derby on TV too. Yeah, Yeah. on channel Channel, fifty-two,
0: channel fifty-two, and so the Thunderbirds and and then Little Danny, Little Red Lopez fighting on Friday night. So we'd go to the Olympic a lot because my dad's uh, offices were right near the Olympic Auditorium, um and so you know my mom would drive me there. We'd go eat, and then we'd go to either Dodgers or the Olympic Auditorium. And I remember I didn't like the wrestling because it was so slow and. They yelled into a microphone, and the PA at the Olympic was really bad, and you couldn't hear what they're saying, and it was loud and smoky. People forget, like, all these snowflakes these days, like, people used to smoke inside buildings when you were eating <laughs> when yeah. I was a kid.
1: <laughs> like, Shit, on planes, in cars, and
0: movie theaters? On planes, on planes. You hospitals? could be a non smoker <laughs> sitting next to a fucking person smoking all the way to England. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and on a plane, there wasn't a lot to do. So the smokers doubled up their smoking, right? Yeah. There used to be ashtrays in the hand things of yeah. airplanes.
1: Air- and so <laughs> going at,
0: when I think of the Olympic, it just smelled like fucking cigarettes. And to be like an eight-year-old kid, like, oh, God, you just got used to that cigar, <laughs> you know? cigarette smell. I used to steal But anyway, <laughs> wrestling was really slow. Then when it came back, it was faster and crazier with the Hulk Hogan and all that. Now you watch it; it's like insane. It mm-hmm. really is kind of insane. I think that's what's happening in our politics. It was slow and methodical, and a lot of talking, and you know. And then it became kind of crazy in the '80s with Reagan, and, it it and now on. it's just batshit crazy, like, like never, like you've never seen. I think politics is following wrestling; it's modeling after wrestling. Like as yeah. wrestling gets more crazy, the, the, poly- the political arena gets crazy. Oh. But in 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 Korea, sometimes they have fistfights in parliament. So I'm wondering if that's going to start breaking out. If there's gonna, we're gonna, if you know, 2025, 2026 is actual fisticuffs. Our people are just too old.
2: The- I'm sorry, we, <laughs> can't have, we can't have geriatric <laughs> boxing. That's just inhumane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you like? Oh, got Mitch McConnell out there duking it out with Chuck Schumer. Like, oh yeah, I'll come just, here, you motherfucker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're not trusted to drive a car, you shouldn't be holding office. It's just it's so basic to me. You you know you pitch the television shows to people if if you wrote this script exactly the way it is with the players people would say we can't sell this show this is just stupid
0: yeah if it had, so here's, if it had a- here's the thing that i'm trying to sell so we've we pretty much legalized drug use we don't charge people we've pretty much kind of like emptied out the prisons like there's some There's some people that should be in prison and they're out and about, you know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, there's always been rehabilitation, but now they're just releasing. So the police also, the, the kind of political correctness of the era. I know when we were going through our stuff here at our house, the police are very hesitant to get involved in anything. So they're embracing pet teams Alternative, alternative ride-alongs or whatever, and um, I used to be a part of a team in Pasadena called Respond, and so it was a social worker, me, a drug counselor, and a an in, uh, uh, whatever they're called, uh, orderly, like you know, like a big Samoan guy, really. <laughs>
2: so, I don't think you can say Samoan anymore.
0: <laughs> okay, oh my God, now I'm gonna get
2: canceled for no. that. No, so, uh, you know what. The- <laughs> so no, i you, know what you're
0: saying a big fella a big um, big fella usually or gal too there was gals it was an equal kind of job big, but it was somebody then. who represented kind of uh support like and then it was me and then the social worker And the social worker was really professional and whatever and then there's me and then there's a person and we would meet the cops and they would be out in front and there'd be like a domestic abuse call and the wife would be outside and then the guys inside turning up the house or whatever. And they would wait for us to come called the respond team. And I did this one, one time and I said, what's going on? And the, the wife said, he's just drunk and, and he won't go to sleep. And I said, yeah, I got it, got it, got it. And she told me he was in the side bedroom. So I walked around the side of the house and I was like, I was like, hello you know, cause you don't know whether you're going to get shot in the face or not. Too. <laughs> like, and, but then I saw him and he was like, kind of sad, you know, like when you're in a blackout and you kind of cut yourself or break in some chair and then you're, it's kind of all subsided. And then, oh, yeah. but you know, and you're in a room. So I could sense like things were good to talk to him. So I talked to him through the window. I said, dude, um, I'm Bob. I work at Las Encinas hospital. And it was right near Las Asinas. And, um, you know, there's a bunch of cops out here. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I know. Am I going to jail? And I was like, I don't know. But I think they called me so that you don't go to jail. I think, like, if you'll just go with me to the rehab. And you can leave tomorrow or whatever. But if you'll just kind of come with us, I I think it'll be cool. And he said, okay. And I walked in. You know, it's all kind of scary, though. You're kind of like, and I'm kind of like, why the fuck am I doing this for $16 an hour? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I could, get, I could get killed. But but I was pretty confident. I knew what that looks like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you've acted like an asshole. you come out of your blackout. You realize what you've done, and you're like, holy shit, how do I fix this? And then you know that there's cops outside or in the living room or whatever. So I go in and get the guy. It was the weirdest thing, like, walking past the police line right because i just recalled it to this tv show people today so i'm thinking about it and that was that was in like 2005 (laughs) so there was alternative sentencing there's my grandson there was alternative (laughs) sentencing and i mean there was there was police working with social services as uh, far back as 2005 but now every city has them you know sometimes on drug calls, police don't even go out or they wait to hold the perimeter and then the social workers come and they leave, right? And so that's what I'm trying to, it's called community policing. There's all these new terms, right? And that's what I'm trying to do a TV show about to show, and you got to show that it's more, it's at least as effective as arresting people and putting them in jail. And my concern is if we get a green light there might be some repeat offenders cuz there was some repeat offenders back in the day when I was doing it. <laughs> you know, not everybody not everybody catches on to sobriety when they should. Chuck, is that fair to say? Is, he, is it a process? Is it a learning? Is there a le- the idea
2: that you get a chance to educate people about that. That you know just because someone goes into treatment doesn't mean it's over just because someone is sober for a little while doesn't mean that there's you know it, of course it, we this is just, it's a perfect platform to educate on top of showing the reality of it and that it is next door and that it is all over the place and that it's not just in certain communities and that it and that it's it's permeated
0: i don't know why we can't get on some sort of same page about this issue it's just crazy to me Like, uh, you know, anyway, so so one of the things I want to say about it is so after people realize that rehab doesn't work the first or second or third time, a lot of the parents that were were like negative, they knew there wasn't an alternative for their kid. And I had dealt with them two or three times and they're kind of mad at me. Like, you better get it right this time. Or like, you know. Yeah, like, you know Check you know. the recipes. Did, you Did you tell <laughs> him
3: I've been to rehab 26 times? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Some, sometimes. 24, four. has been 36 times. But, but uh, Martine holds the record as far as I know it. But there's probably new record breakers down there uh, in Costa yeah. Mesa. There's I'll probably people in Costa Mesa that broke those records. People but that there, doubled that in a record. year. But you know, just like records in the NBA, the eighties were a much different era. To go to rehab thirty-six times, you had to have some cash. Anyways, uh, hard to
3: get those stats when there was only thirty-six hundred OD deaths. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so I started telling parents, and it, it was it made more concrete sense. You know, you can't just keep lying and saying, "Well, you know, if he comes with us, he's going to turn it around." Like I just started saying, "Well, uh, you know." at least you guys will get some sleep and, and you'll know that he's safe and whatever. And I'll call you if he leaves. And that was enough for parents. Cause they've been through hell for like a month or a month and a half with the kid, like stealing money and running around and crashing cars and doing all the things that addicts do, um, that they were going to get some peace for a while. That's what rehab started to represent to a lot of parents of 20 something addicts that I was dealing with. You know what I mean? going to get some sleep at least they're not you know going to be you know because there's nothing worse i remember i told uh elvis i told sydney today that elijah ran away when he was 15 and he she said did you go looking for him and i i said well when he was 13 and 14 i did but when he was 15 i kind of figured he'll be back
3: (laughs) yeah
1: he'll get (laughs) hungry eventually said
0: she said, why didn't you call the police? I said, the police would then hold me accountable. I couldn't call the police back then, Sid. My 15-year-old ran away. Like, yeah, I didn't need yeah, to open up no, a can of you, worms with that. You
3: get to go to jail.
2: Still, probably but,
3: not the, still probably not the way to go today. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: right. But Elijah ran away when he was 15 for like two weeks. We didn't know where he was. But I knew he was all right. I figured I'd hear if he wasn't hear right. from the
1: coroner,
0: <laughs> if he wasn't, <laughs> or the police.
2: I mean, that, I that's, that's the truth. It's just tell like, you must be all right. I haven't gotten any
3: calls at 2 in the morning. Yeah, tell us if you were time, just hoping not to hear from the police.
0: Yeah, right? yeah I was <laughs> hoping. The first time you ran away, I think you were like 11, and you ran to Maureen's house. And she called me and she said, are you missing a young man? And I said, yeah, why well, is he at your house? And she said, yeah, but I don't want to betray him. Oh, and I yeah. said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that Elijah you went to no. DH and, and Maureen's apartment building off Sunset? I remember. That's a the long place, walk. That's a long walk from our house. He walked
3: there. We were
2: skateboarding. Elijah used probably. to walk. Oh yeah, you must have pissed him off, Bob. You must have done. Yeah, I don't even remember. I don't <laughs>
3: even remember that one. I don't. I don't remember running away to Mike and Devin's house. I remember hanging out with Mike a lot, which must have been that time he took me fishing and <laughs> let me complain for right. a long time when i was staying with them i'm sure but you know then
0: uh you know elijah just grew up too quick too quick you know one thing let's talk about siblings something interesting so we tend to and i don't know chuck if your kids do this we tend to try to see our siblings as the same as us and i think elijah falls into this category i i never had brothers so i never did it and i was nothing like my sister so i never had that but i noticed that Elvis will be going through something, and Elijah will kind of say, "Yeah, I went through that same thing." And then you kind of pigeonhole the person as being like you, and that's kind of a disservice. And we've talked about that.
3: I know. But, I'm realizing uh, more and more how different.
0: Yeah,
3: he's uh, growing up in, in a different world. Different.
0: Like I'll tell you, I'll tell you the holy terror that's coming as I just Muhammad Forrest I I, <laughs> I pity this first grade teacher of this kid. I think Isaiah <laughs> is going to give him a run. <laughs>
3: I think Isaiah and him are gonna be <laughs> yeah. running buddies. He's been, he's been yeah. you know. I'm, I need the secret but from you guys of putting putting boys to sleep. Today has been today has been driving in the car. Days. Driving yeah. in the car. Yeah, but I got so much car. stuff I gotta do. It's like and he's got his first cold and he's teething and it's just been today is one of those days where when people like look at me with that with that face
0: and they're like, Oh no, I, I definitely couldn't have kids. <laughs> I talked about this though. So I talked to a guy today that owns a shoe company, a shoe, a shoe store by Elvis's school. Cause Elvis got straight A's. I sent the picture to you guys. Dude, he got a 4.0 grade average in the first, in, in the, it was only two semesters a year in the first semester. So I bought him a pair of shoes that he wanted today. And the school guy said, the, the 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 shoe guy said hey bob how old are you and i said 62 and he goes and he goes is oh elvis god. your youngest and i said no i have a three-year-old and he said holy fuck <laughs> and uh and, and i said well there's too many 80 year old people sitting around with nothing to do when i'm 80 i want have
1: something to do
0: <laughs> no i swear to god that like i you know I'm not one that's gonna go golfing. So it kind of fits me. I'll be a parent till I die. Whatever. It doesn't bother me. But it bothers other people tremendously. Didn't bother this guy. He said, my dad was 59 when he had me.
3: So speaking of uh, of having kids when you're older, we got What's a that? surprise guest coming into the studio. And he went and his kids went to the same school that Elvis just left. Wonderland? Mount Washington.
0: Well, Washington. Here we go. Tony. Yeah, here we go. Ah, uh, Tony's not as old as me. Come on, I'm not. didn't say he's him. as old as you. <laughs> Tony, come <on>. hey, Tony's <laughs> muted. We got to help Tony. Unmute you, your you Tony. Tony. Yes. Can you see Tony? me? You're not. You're not even sixty. Don't be trying to come off as some old dad. You're yes. a perfectly <laughs> aged. You're a perfectly aged dad for your kids' ages. (laughs) I was born in 63. Yeah, you seem so much younger than me. You're only two years younger than me. Yeah, I turned 60 in August. Oh, my gosh. Welcome. Happy birthday. Well, here's Tony. Tony and you played at the benefit and was magnificent wow. and it was fun wow. and we haven't talked about that yet so yeah. i guess we'll talk about yeah. it wait a second wait um, a second for those of us that can't see that's uh mr tony malone i think you were in the band the longest with mike mart right it was just you and mike on guitar for one whole tour yeah I thought. no that was me
1: definitely
0: how did you find out Mike was sick or, or dying? How did you find out? Cause I think he kept it a secret, but maybe Iris Berry knows, knew, And I think Iris would have told you, did you know he was sick? No, I saw that, that post on Facebook. And oh my God. I told him this is what was going to happen.
1: Yeah. He was like, uh, you know, Nikki beat said something, or Nikki Alexander, whatever. And, uh, said hey give me a call before you die (laughs) and so i pushed mike and so mike did a big post about it on facebook and so you know just explaining that his liver was in this particular reading that was going on and he was taking care of it he was on top of it and but little do i know that it wasn't all his fault like if you're
0: like if you give me a reason not to go do something good for myself today, <laughs> I'll I'll not do it. <laughs> and the, and the healthcare system that he was kind of trapped in like an HMO uh, Kaiser, you know, if you miss your appointment it's like, "Oh, call back the 1-800 AI number to reschedule your appointment." And so there was a lot of lagging. I felt like because I would ask him all the time, anything going on? Like, what's going on? You got to be on top of this shit, Mike. And he's like, oh, no, they told me that blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You didn't question him, right? He was like, okay.
1: You know, <laughs> so, it sounds like he knew. he knew all the right things to say, you know?
0: When you don't take care of your hepatitis C and nothing bad happens for 20 years, you're like, okay, I'm good. Whatever. It's not that bad. And I think a lot of people that couldn't afford Harvoni or didn't didn't know how to get it or didn't have health insurance that covered it, they're in that category, right? Because what what you don't know about Harvoni, the cure for hepatitis C that stops you from, you know, or certainly helps prevent you from getting liver cancer, is its cost. These things, and check this is magnificent. We talked about this before. Yeah. Harvoni pills are a thousand dollars a pill. A thousand dollars a pill and you need to take oh. you need to take nine weeks of them.
2: And the only <laughs> so and uh, so wait, that's nine and nine times seven is sixty-three.
1: So sixty-three thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a lot
0: of money. <laughs> yeah. Even for me. <laughs> for a life for yeah. a life saving. So welcome to the American healthcare system. That's- and the, you know that that you know, so many people, a lot of the people We know Tony went through the trials. I mean, Pete did, did, Max Smith did, a bunch of people got cured from hepatitis C from the trials that they were doing here in Los Angeles. They did them repeatedly all over the place. And me, I was so lazy at, you know, people say, you need to call this doctor and she'll get you in. And I called one time and she said, oh, you know, if you would have called a couple of weeks ago, I could have gotten you into the study. And I You're was like, like yeah, okay, well, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> and I told Mike about it too. I said, you know, they're they're like doing this study where everybody's getting cured. Andrew Clark got cured that way. Renee did. Bunch of people we know got cured from hepatitis C before the drug even came on the market. How great was that for them, right? Just being right. in the test in the test. But I, yeah. um, anyway. So, so. I told Mike, like, unless we start talking about it on the podcast or unless you start kind of talking about it to some friends, and I said this, Chuck, you'll love this. And I said it like this. I said, some friends that you know gossip, so, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean like, everybody like, will know like, yeah. like i was suggesting All we need like, to do is- like like me and iris <laughs> like
1: if you just
0: tell us if no you just way. tell us what's going on everybody will know in a matter of
2: week <laughs> <Yeah>. radio <laughs> forest yeah, broadcast
0: <laughs> no nah, you've been pretty but, good with keeping secret but he yeah i have been but he He was very secretive even to me. I think I didn't know all of what he was being told, and it was sad. And I got mad at him one day, and I said, you know, Mike, a lot of people we don't see for months at a time are just going to hear that you died, and they're going to assume it was a drug overdose. And then they're going to call me, and then they're going to say, what happened? And then I'm going to say, no, he's had liver cancer for a long time, and he was battling it, and he lost the battle. And I said, and he goes, ah, you know. <laughs> like and he, and, he, said, he said, he said he said a funny thing. He said, "He said, well, I'm sure when you get liver cancer, you'll tell everybody and you'll just talk about it every podcast." So you live your <laughs> life, and I live Ooh. my life, and I don't want everybody. <laughs> he said, "I don't want every." He didn't like. I think really what it was is Mike Mart Mont- lived and died by his own sword, which was he didn't like being the center of attention. He didn't like people coming up to him and talking to him, you know, even when we would praise him about his songs, he would always, you know, check what I'm talking about. What is that? When somebody yeah. says, Oh no, you know, when I said across the ponds, one of the greatest songs ever written, he said, Dude, yeah, no, no, it's just a fucking song.
2: Right. Self-deprecating, you know, and, but whether he is believes that what it or it's not,
0: is that what it's called?
2: Self-deprecating humor is, or what deflection it, is yeah. when you put yourself down um, to take away from a compliment and I'm guilty you of that. You minimize, all the time.
0: you minimize the praise somebody's given you or to, and, and, and
2: it's, and it's not fair. You know, I used to do that after shows after almost every time we played and a friend of mine said, you got to stop that. You just took away from their experience. When someone says that was a cool show, just say thank you.
3: Yeah, that's a. Don't say it sounded
2: like shit on the stage, or yeah, if that's what. That wasn't what I was happen. trying
3: to do. Well,
2: or I, yeah,
0: well, Elijah, you're guilty of that. I know, but Crazy. I caught. I've seen I, Elijah. I've seen I Elijah myself No, but I mean, back in the day, I've seen you be amazing, and me and Anthony saying how great you were, and you're like, oh, no, not really. It's my friends that are great. And da, da, da. Like, no, Crazy. it's yeah. you that are great. I had a and, conversation uh, with a
3: guy named. Christopher Forgus, where he put me straight on that a long time ago, where he was just like, he's like, how can you demean their, you know, how can you demean the person that just enjoyed your work? Like, how can you tell them they don't know shit about it? They don't know what it was supposed to be like. They had a great experience. Let them have that great experience. Doesn't matter what you wanted, what your goal was, what all your. Stuff. When did he tell yeah. you
0: that? Because he didn't tell you that back. When right we were around when, all I the quit, time. Right, when I Right around when
3: I quit playing music for like <laughs> a <laughs> <my laughs> public. <all the> <laughs>
0: So I mean I saw I said the probably the greatest show I saw you was on that vine when everybody walked outside when you were just singing the same part over and over again. That was amazing. And that that night I was telling you how great it was. And you're like, yeah, I mean it's really good because of so-and-so play piano with like I didn't even know there was a piano player. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Like that was amazing because of you. So here's the thing, Chuck, I'm not that, right? Tony knows this. He was in a band with me. I told people after the show at the memorial and people were saying, that was amazing. I go, I know you never know what's the long sponsor can be magical or it can <laughs> be shit. ship. But I, and I said it to two people as, as I was walking out. Just know that you're lucky you were here to see that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you
0: probably said
3: the same thing after your worst show ever 30 years ago.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah you right. Stupid yeah, yeah. fucks. You're lucky. Like, yeah, yeah. you
0: get to say you saw I never, me. I never, I never had that. Whatever that thing is that you're saying, Chuck, I've never had that. Like no, I know I how I good did. I am. I know how good I, I am, it, and I don't uh, understand why more people don't.
3: <laughs> well, false, false modesty too because Mike Mike down in his guts he knew how good those songs were. He knew how good he was as a the songwriter. There was frustration about
0: yeah, I know, but listen, I was working with Tom Waits one time and I and he started going off about how great the song was and that this is gonna this could be a hit. This could be on the radio, right? And uh and as Kathleen, his wife was there and, and Tom was like talking to the engineer and I walked off and I was, cause I, there was no way this song, Audios Lounge is going to be a hit on the radio. And I said to her, is he, is he joke? Is he making fun of me? Like I, I you know, cause <laughs> rates, you never knew where you stood or what was going on. So I said, is he joking? Or is he does he like the song or whatever? And she goes, No, he believes that about every record ah. he thinks, that this is the one. <laughs> this is the one that's gonna get over and get <laughs> on <know>? the radio. It's like that like He's thinking when mule variations, when he's putting that out, he goes, This is the one that's gonna, you know, be in the top 40. I, 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 I need one of those right? around.
1: Uh, that's a that's a but
0: he was right in the long run because downtown train, which was on rain dogs, I yeah. believe. Was a top ten hit for Rod Stewart, so it was just his singing that were holding
1: the songs back. It wasn't the songs themselves. You need that kind of attitude when you go on a record, like this, this is going to be the one. Like, you need yeah, that this attitude. is going to be
0: the one. Or why would you? So I'm walking, out, I'm I'm got my dry cleaners at Argyle and Franklin, and Tom Waits goes walking by. This is in like I don't know, 2009 or so or to no, know, 2012 maybe. Anyways, I go, dude, what are you doing? He goes, going to welding school. I'm heading to school.
1: And I was like, come on. <laughs>
0: you know, you always got the sense with him that he didn't want to go eat with you. Like he might talk with you or, or play music for an hour or something, but he definitely didn't want to go to go, like, hey, let's go eat or let's go shopping. Or he wasn't that type of guy. So I thought he was saying, you know, he's actually, I thought he was going to the one on one diner and he just didn't want me to go with him. And he's, he goes, no, I'm going right. to welding school. I'm down here going, to, I'm staying at Chucky's house, I'm going to welding school. And I was like, right. to make like art, to make like art? And he goes, no, it'll get a real job. i in a muffler shop. <laughs> 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 that's the type of thing I can't say to you. And then he would just walk away from me and cross Franklin and just like, the fuck is he going? We need to have a moment of silence right now for the great Kobe uh uh passed away yesterday at 2 10 p.m um wiley our guest last week's dog that he's had for 20 years that dog has been everywhere um, my kids love that dog that dog is the reason why we go to Coachella some days just to see kobe and kobe okay. passed away and um and wiley was there um with him when he took his last breath holding him and yeah. it's a very sad, sad day for Wiley. And uh, I, you know, like so much death, Chuck, so much oh, death, dude. including I, Kobe, including Kobe, I, the dog.
2: I didn't tell, I didn't tell Bug that one yet because he had his uh, uncle Phil pass this week. So it's just, I, uh, I, I don't want to do more than one death a week for him. I think 52 deaths a year is plenty for a 13 year old.
0: The Mike, the mic death is still reverberating around here because Because Sid, probably the first person Sid's ever known that's died. And the other day, what's today, Tuesday? Yesterday when we were driving to school, she just said, I don't want you to die. And I said, I'm not going to, Sid. Right? So, So here's the thing. When you get older, when you're not taking care of yourself, when you're not paying attention, when you're being silly, or when you're a dog that's 20 years old, death is out here. But when you're 22 and you're in sober living and you just can't stay sober one more hour or one more day and you die like the kid did today, I mean, it's just fucking heartbreaking, you know? And um, a funny thing was, so people have lived longer. Uh, no, but in the, conver- in the conversation with Sid. Right. So people have lived longer now. When I was a kid, my dad died at 58. So You know, my parents used to smoke when we had dinner and they would have food in their mouth and take a drag of the cigarette and be (laughs) chewing and smoke coming out.
3: (laughs) You know what sucks for the people of that generation? My, My mom's parents that helped raise me, they all died the same early 60s, mid 60s, and they were... They were five days a week Catholic mass people. They never drank. They never smoked. They still died the same
0: age range, give or take, as your parents. Yeah, because of the food. Because of the food. They ate meat and potatoes every day. So, Tony, not only were you influenced, monster, and you were a heroin addict, from what I recall. That's what they say. (laughs) (laughs) Not of the magnitude of Mr. Mart, though, I would say. No, he was a pro. Were you fond of the crack cocaine, too, or just the uh, heroin? It was just too much to juggle both of those, you know? Yeah, Mike was into both. Yeah. And drinking. No, you uh, you said I, you were there. All the stories I tell, you were the guitar player when Mike would hawk his amp and play acoustic guitar on the other side, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, do you get hamburgers a lot. Do you remember the, the, day, the day we went on tour... We had to stop at Elliot's. Elliot, uh, yes, yeah, so Elliot's pawn shop. And pick up the. That was like a regular thing. It was like, no big deal. Okay, we're going to get. Yeah, we're going to And we go, go, <laughs> go I think
0: Rob's stuff, Rob Graves' stuff was probably in there too. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was a was. pawn shop. It was a pawn <laughs> shop chuck that was about four blocks from our rehearsal space. So it was kind of perfect. like i i live so we rehearsed in the garage (laughs) of my house and i lived at fountain and gardener and elliott's was like four blocks down one block down to santa monica boulevard so many a time i think mike mart put that marshall head of his in a shopping cart and wheeled it over there and what would you get (laughs) for a marshall head like 50 dollars yeah like you know that's a that's a desperate man but But you you mean to
3: tell me there was a storage for your music equipment and they paid you? Yeah, no. It
0: was part of a a whole. See, I've always been a master of this, which was that apartment was $400 a month. One of the garages was mine. The other garage was my ex-wife, Lori Patterson, who lived next door in the house next door. And she didn't have a car. She didn't drive. So I said, hey, Lori, can, can we use your garage too? And she was like, fine. So then me and Keith Morris didn't have a place to live. So then we went to Home Depot and bought a bunch of uh of uh, the press board, like that looks like a wall. And we yeah. f- fixed up the one side, one garage as a bedroom for Keith. He paid 150. <laughs> then the band rehearsed in the other garage, they paid hundred, And so I paid 150 to have the one bedroom house upstairs, right? <laughs> So I could come up I could come up with yeah, 150 yeah. bucks like in a pinch I could. And that was yeah. that was the way we lived for years and years. And so and then Rob Graves moved into the monster van, parked in front, parked right around in front. And then he would take shower. Keith and him would take showers and go to the bathroom and but that's how I lived. That's how I could write all these great songs and not make any money. <laughs> I had no overhead.
1: That's a secret. That was a secret. Fantastic. That's and uh, then, so I, I, I lived down the street from you at that yeah. time on Detroit, and I would, I would pass a monster van, and Rob would be in there. Yeah. And Rob gave me a heads up saying that that you guys might be looking for a guitar player soon because. Prishante joined the Peppers, and uh, Chris Hansen Chris
0: had gone British. back to college. Chris went back to college. Yeah. I think Chris couldn't take it anymore. You know, and I remember yeah. telling Chris, like, because we had made stormy weather, and then Chris quit. Like, that wasn't a really good decision. Why go through the suffering of making that record? And now we're, things were... We'd finally made the record that we needed to make, and Chris quit to go back to college. Can you imagine, Chuck, quitting <laughs> to go back to college? Quitting a band with four heroin addicts to go back to college. Why would you? Why would one do that? You could <laughs> have split the. You split the van with Rob. <laughs> Tony, what was it like? Like, were you in awe of Mike? I was always kind of in awe of Mike, in awe of his uh, his um. I don't know his, like, what was it? What was it that was Mike Maher? He was just larger than life, but like a fucked up too. It was just the weirdest combination. It
1: was hard to, it was hard to like him at first because he like was kind of aggressive and loud and like, and scary, kind of scary. He was kind of scary, scary. And, and basically it came down to I was kind of jealous, is what it was, but at the time I didn't know that. You know, I, you don't, when you get sober and you start examining your motives and stuff, right. uh, you realize stuff later, but at the time I didn't know that. So well, that's uh,
0: interesting that you say that, because I remember in all those times that you were in the band, you were always practicing, you'd have your guitar in the hotel room, you were like always playing your guitar. And I'm pretty yeah. sure Mike never practiced playing guitar ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> never did. <laughs> like, I
1: don't
0: know what to say. It's, <laughs> it's weird, right? It's fucked up. Like like he just, and that whole thing with not having a guitar strap and he'd have like a towel. He like, yeah, we had a, what did he have for a guitar strap? It wasn't a guitar strap. It'd be just like, whatever, it works, whatever. An extension uh, cord. Duct tape. Duct tape, everything. Mike duct tape his shoes, his amp, his suitcase, his guitar, his cords, just just duct tape everywhere. (laughs) Duct tape. He duct taped his shoes. Shoe thing was coming off the bottom. I really didn't like those shoes that everybody's talking about the memorial. I thought like Enough is enough with the shoes. Like, I like <laughs> fucked up shoes, but his shoes were ridiculous. And so finally, finally the, 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 finally, the soul of it came off. Like, he had these shoes for the whole time I knew him. The soul came off, right? And I'm yeah. thinking, like, well, that's finally the end of these stupid looking shoes, right? They they were combat boots and they didn't have strings in them. So they they just were wide open, like eight inches on the top. And how he kept them on his feet was kind of a miracle. And then then the thing finally came off the bottom, right? So it's just like cloth touching on the ground. He took that sole and duct tape it back onto the bottom of the shoe and just walked around with it. Like with a duct tape sole on a shoe. i was like mike why don't you just get another pair of combat boots he's like what's wrong with these these are
1: fine
2: (laughs) 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 you know it was important he 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 was focused on what's important i don't know what that is yet but it ended up being his daughters for sure (laughs) but before that i don't know what it was because it wasn't what he was going to wear it wasn't where he was going to live it wasn't what he was going to play it wasn't how he was going to hold up what he was going to play. He uh, he walked through things weird. a little bit differently. It was
0: weird. I I know what you're talking about, T- uh, Tony. I don't know this jealousy. I was mad at him. Yeah. I was mad at him to, that he. It was so effortless for him to write songs, and it was so hard for me to. Like I would, I would just. Think about the song I'm trying to write, figure it out, and play it a thousand times. And Mike could just come over, like, "Hey, I wrote a song the other night, and it's just to be better than the song I was working on for a month and a half." And be like, <laughs> "Fuck you, fuck you." <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: but he did have an attunement, so when he came in, he figured, you know, Tony monster was kind of all over the place up until Mike, right, uh, Tony? Yeah. I think it was all over the place and then he made it a rock band and then but then when he then when he wasn't in it it became like a kind of a corny rock band but it was a great rock band when he was in it and then by the time we're you know he steered us in the direction of being a rock band chuck and then he abandoned us and Mm. but we were a rock band then right before we were kind of an artsy fart band (laughs) right yeah right I mean, I, I, you know, because of Mike's death, I've gone back and listened to all the albums and stuff. And like, there's two instruments, The, the song, the album next Saturday afternoon, which is the album that Mike, Mike and I do one song on it. And then we make this next record together. The whole time of the album is 38 minutes and it has two instrumentals on it. <laughs> and you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like it ain't, that ain't no rock band, Chuck.
1: That's that like is, something that, else. That song. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I like there's that. One, there's there's a song called "Low Boy." Butterflies are free is an instrumental. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: And uh, and then there's another one called Tree and Sven Orbit the Planet" that's like eight minutes long. So oh, if yeah. you take "Low yeah. Boy," is probably four minutes. Now you're down to 26. There's actually only 26 minutes worth of songs on that album. <laughs> we, oh, no. I just that recorded 10 great. songs
2: that are under 30. It's under 30 minutes. That's like 28 minutes for 10 songs. That record's no, great.
0: Albums used to be like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. So our, So the reason what you need to know... So when we go to make stormy weather, and they're finally making CDs, they're this new thing, this new technology called yeah. CDs, compact discs, is what it stands for. Chuck, I don't know if you're aware of this. Oh, I ever that. Compact heard of compact disc, like a yeah. disc that's compacted, right? Uh, not, so they have, a they're making disc. compact discs, and this guy from Relativity Records comes and meets with us, and when we we're in New York, and says, "Hey, Bob." we want to release stormy weather on cd and i said yeah i do too and he said but it's but it's it's kind of short and next afternoon is really short would you authorize that we could put both albums on one cd and stupidly instead of saying are you ready for this chuck instead of saying i don't know let me talk to my manager (laughs) i said sure right (laughs) lost half your sales (laughs) now how the record company benefits from that i don't really understand but i know it didn't benefit me or us right no they
2: they only usually do that with bands where the stuff's older and they want to make it a value pack where you get two albums for the price of one
0: yeah I, i think that was part of the cd release but anyways so tony are you over, are you, yeah. have you processed the grief of Mike, or are
1: you still feeling it? I'm still feeling it. I'm not, maybe it's a different stage than it was at first, but I mean, I'm still feeling it. Um, but wait, one second, Florence Monster, it seems like, was going through uh, a growth period. Record, album to album. You know, and it reflected what surroundings of what was going on. For instance, like, so yeah, Mike joined, and it turned into a of rock band. It was a different stage before, so it was just a growth. At least the band didn't continue doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's true, right? Yeah, but I don't and, think I don't think we could have the first album is so
0: punk rock, amateur punk rock. Like I, of the records, yeah. like I know the songs are better on Stormy Weather, but the yeah. l- album I like listening to is, is bumming my life out. It's such a weird record. It's got the first song I ever wrote that got recorded, Yes, Yes, No. But I think it's now like a haiku. I think that song is very <laughs> profound. Though when I became what I thought was a songwriter, I thought, oh, I hope people don't hear that Yes, Yes, No song, because that's before I was a real songwriter. But really, <laughs> the concept behind the song Yes, Yes, No was I thought me and Anthony have this thing where we do know when to say no. We do know when to stop, right? Um, Someone like Mike Mart did not know when to stop.
3: Yes, yes,
0: yes. Yes, (laughs) yes, (laughs) yes. And so I was describing like, that's like drugs and life. You got to say yes, 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 no. Eventually you have to say no or you're going to die or something bad's going to happen. And- um, And that was the song. I think it's like a haiku. Yes, 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 no. So I'm not saying no. Maybe uh, no. Yes, maybe. I'm saying that's only yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. You, you
2: need a five-seven-five <laughs> makes a haiku. <laughs> that's right. It. Yeah, It's
1: five-five
2: yeah. syllables, <laughs> seven
0: syllables, five syllables. It's a good song. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really good song, and um, and, Chants, but it was right? really it's like a playful, weird Meat Puppets-y type of. It was like yeah, Tony, you're right in that the the albums are kind of set in the scene that they're in. So the band I loved at that time was like the Meat Puppets, and so Meat Puppets had yeah. fast, really fast punk rock songs, and then they had weird country songs, and they had you know, and the, you never knew whether the Meat Puppets were serious or not. Right, yeah. I kn- I didn't know if they were serious or not. I thought they were serious, but <laughs> yeah, then uh, could be the whole thing is a joke too. Chuck, you never know with these people. They're from Arizona. You can well, never tell. Good music. It always has a little bit of sense of humor
2: in it, even if it's um, just sarcasm. You know, I think uh, I, I think the most intellectual people use humor, whether it's dark or light. It's there.
0: Yeah. So the Meat Puppets had a song called the Whistling Song.
1: Yeah. I like that song.
0: Me and Chris and KK and John and everybody was into the Meat Puppets. I remember I went and saw the Meat Puppets, um, one of their first shows in LA, long before they were the cool SST band. And um, and then of course the cool Kurt Cobain band. But so Meat Puppets were kind of playful and and had funny songs and cool fast punk rock songs and second record. I kind of was influenced by Top Jimmy. I was living with Top Jimmy, which is not a good thing for any <laughs> young person. No, no. Right? And yeah, so there's there's a lot of like blues and like, you know, though there's punk rock, it's like blues-based lyrics and whatever. And and, and it's still got that artsy fart, you know. Right. So anyway, so then Mike comes and and you know, to me, Mike was gun club, right? Tony I yeah. like he was, he was Jeffrey he was like the real version of Jeffrey because I knew Jeffrey really well and Jeffrey wasn't who people thought he was like Jeffrey is like he's just so sweet and he's, he was not the guy that made the, the real Jeffrey Lee Pierce is a normal kid from the valley the guy who made Fire of Love I have no idea that's like some persona he incarnates like an acting role Mike was really that person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, we said that.
2: We said that. We said that that he was actually he was the freaking the real Keith Richards. When Keith Richards wasn't really doing the heroin, Mike was.
0: Yeah, and but Jeffrey too. So so that idea that now we have this gun club sound that you could could use and this kind of Keith (laughs) Richardsy thing you could use, that was that was Exciting to me, and so the album reflects that. There's no, there's no artsy fart stuff on that stormy weather, right? Also, it becomes a rock band.
1: Also, this was going on at the time. Mike joins, and then eventually I joined, and I witnessed or sat in a lot of things that were going on at your house. And for instance, like Mike would be there, uh, Carlo would be there with his guitar, maybe Bob Kuhn. Uh, oh, Bob Kean, Car- Carlos, and guitar, Carlos Guitarlos, yeah, and playing guitar, just acoustic stuff, and this honing stuff that was going on. You were interested in doing that. It, that I don't know if you were doing that before Stormy Weather, I don't think you were, but no,
0: but, no, but it, uh, it was Mike, it was having because no one in Florida Monster could play acoustic guitar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, yeah. you know,
0: like, dicks, more dicks can't, dicks could, it like- dicks could play acoustic guitar, but I, I always wanted to be like Peter Case and John Doe and go play McCabe's. So and now that Mike was in it, now that was a real possibility. That is true. And then everybody would, was at my house and we'd all play music. My house was like, is there houses like that anymore for kids? Like, everybody would just come to my house. Like, and even people that, ha- Chuck, even people that had way nicer houses would come over to my house to hang out, <laughs> Well, That's right? where the people were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had this little tiny backyard. It was like six feet wide and like 20 feet long. And we would just sit back there and drink beer and play acoustic guitars and sing songs and whatever. Like, I just, that was a magical time, Tony. Thanks for pointing that out. Like, that's when I wrote that song my own backyard I never recorded it, but it was just about how magical my own my backyard was and like people would come and play Robin Crosby would come and play um Robin Crosby had this that. big acoustic guitar um like it almost didn't fit in the backyard Chuck I don't know what this is uh, it it was a tan acoustic guitar it was like as big as a was barrel. it a big old full body guild or something yeah maybe like and we we're like See how nerdy metal guys are they bring that fucking guitar here this is they the sound guy. so good
1: <laughs> They sound so good <laughs>
0: and it it was, was, was fine <laughs> was it a guild guitar it was like a, i knew it was so a I, I think Dan, we guild. would just play songs we would just play songs in the backyard and and then when it got dark we would go eat and then we would go to the clubs yeah. this is a yeah. magical time and and I don't know why. I don't know, I don't know. It's like my wife said the other night, I can't believe Mike is dead. And like, yeah, I can't, that's a feeling you got. Like, can't believe it. On a certain level, it just seems, okay, it's, I can't believe it. I, like, you, it's, I mean, think about it, Chuck. Remember on Monday night, he said, let's podcast, and I couldn't do it because I had to go, I had already t- some plan, Mm-hmm. And then on Thursday, I went down to visit him on his deathbed. Like, that's insane.
2: Yeah, and then he was gone the next Thursday.
0: Fucking crazy, man. Yeah. So
1: I think that was
3: I think you and I were there Sunday night, Saturday Sunday night or yeah. Sunday night.
1: Yeah, yeah I was going to go
3: back. I wanted to bring Isaiah down there to meet him. But I didn't make it back.
0: I got the sense, like on Thursday, he knew it was me and Smog and Johnny Angel. And I think he knew, I think he was listening to us talk. I think, but I never got the sense he was scared, which was reassuring to me for when that time comes for me. And because when somebody's scared or angry, I've had that Gloria Scott was a little angry, Buddy Arnold was scared. And by the way, Buddy Arnold had the greatest death of all time, if you want to measure je- death. So I started noticing that he was absent-minded at work, Tony. Yeah. And uh, you knew Buddy. And, and, uh, and he, would, he would tell me the same things over and over again. He'd come in my office and tell me something. I go, I know we just, we, just, we just talked about that like an hour ago. And then I started to catch on that he was having strokes. And so oh. then he came in my office and he said he had a book and he was very serious and he shut my door. And the only time he shut the door of my office is when he wanted to yell at me or <laughs> something bad had happened, right? And so he goes, Listen, I I'm I, I want you to I want I want you to help me. And I was like, what what? And he, had, he goes, this book. I want you to read this book. I've outlined, and he had outlined the parts of the book he wanted me to read. Knowing me, Chuck, I'm not going to read the whole book. So yeah. tell me what <laughs> yeah. I need yeah. to read.
2: Just the few pages that are important.
0: <laughs> and the book was how to commit chemical suicide, how to how to kill yourself. And uh, I said, what? I said, is something bad happening? And he said, yeah. And I was like, you can't expect me to do this. He goes, if I'm Unconscious. If I'm jeweling on myself, I want you to do this to me. And I was like, I can't. Like, I'll get arrested. Like, like, can't, I can't. And he, he was so serious that he had nobody. He never had kids. I was like a son to him. And he, when Buddy Arnold wanted something, you had to do it. Like on a certain level. Like. He never took no for an answer. He would manipulate. He would bully. He would do anything. I said, I can't. Like, (laughs) I can't do that. And then, and that was like, and within like two weeks, he had a stroke. He was in the hospital, and he died like three days later. So it all, but he was having little mini strokes. I think. I think now here's another example about. I think if you're having mini strokes, for you at home, if you go to the doctor. They can relieve they can find out where that pressure is in your brain and relieve that with either medications or blood thinners or surgery. You don't have to just start looking at books on how to kill yourself
2: yeah, nobody nobody wants that. We've seen it, and we don't want to be it, and we don't want to so they able to take care of that, you know right. It,
0: it was like my dad was kept alive. Because he was Catholic, he was brain dead from like when the thing happened at Christmas time of seventy five. But he didn't die till summer of seventy six, and they just kept feeding him a tube into his stomach. Like his brain is dead. He doesn't. He's not. He's not. It's not the same human being. But they used to keep people alive. Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> so that new that new movement of I don't want any. Do you not resuscitate. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be brain dead. They'd feed you feed you wow. through a tube, like a white. I remember it was like a white, creamy shit would go down this wow. tube. Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. well, it, and, it, and it ran up the bills,
2: too, didn't it?
3: I always tell that story that you tell dad about uh, trying to explain like generational alcoholism to friends or girls I'm dating or whatever. That story that you told me about, they told your dad, you got to stop drinking and smoking cigars. Yeah, get- yeah be dead in a year and he said he said that's too bad i'll be dead in a year
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well then then he bonded with his best friend curly einboden because he got told the same thing that's Curly a- and they both had open heart surgeries around the same time and so they and back in the day if you had open heart surgery even at 58 you were like an invalid like you couldn't walk my dad went from like walking really fast and yelling at people to like walking really slow like <laughs> whispering you know, real, at people <laughs> yeah whispering and I'm you know not talking much and so curly and him would walk after dinner around the golf course around where we lived and my mom and curly's wife Dot. how about this there was a couple who lived around the corner from us named dot and curly einboden
1: that was no, people's those, that those was are people's, great
0: names that, they don't make names like that anymore what was
1: no, Curly what was that Curly was, was Dorothy bald. And...
0: Curly was bald and <laughs> dot was Dorothy, yeah and and so they were like celebrating whatever and then, um sadly, uh uh Curly killed himself uh, with oh. a gun and oh, so
1: awesome. then my
0: dad didn't have his his you know partner to fucking and then he stopped taking his medicine but um but but it really is like you know buddy went quick mike went quick everybody says that's a blessing but i really don't like when people say they're in a better place they're at peace you don't have any idea where the fuck they are just shut up please
1: i think people (laughs) say that to comfort themselves yeah (laughs) <laughs> I, I, do, I, yeah. I do I think you
2: know the the idea that we believe what we say that's why we tell clients that are that are people that are new sober to say some positive things we can list a million sh- shitty things about ourselves but to say something positive is is hard but when we hear ourselves say it our brains believe it because our brains think we're smart so you They're in a better place, makes me feel better because I'm still here. And that's why I don't say that because. (laughs) Well,
0: and then eventually the place you're going is better than here, but yet we cling on to being here. You know, I used to say this all the time. My mother became this crazy religious person, like insane. Like, I don't want to get into the details of it, but, uh, you know, the, 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 a physical Christ would come to her and sit with her and hold her hands and talk, you know, Chuck, that type of stuff. That's heavy. Yeah. That's heavy stuff. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, it was just, it was so crazy having somebody believe like that when they were a nonbeliever before. And then somebody told me that's the, that's, that's very typical that you're like, The devout atheists are really just scared of embracing this, whatever. So that's when I stopped being a devout atheist. Like, I'm just a mild mannered atheist. I don't
1: process,
0: I don't, I don't proselytize, I don't get mad about people believing in God or whatever. It it was nice playing music with you, Tony. It sounded great. It was fun, you know, it was sad the circumstances and, um. Glad you're healthy. I mean, it, it was was weird. Like we had the same, we have kids that go to the same school, and you see a drop off. I was always so nervous at that school because there's so many hipsters, and I felt oh, old and fat and stupid. And I like, I that guy. And just like that. You know, there was Chuck at this school in LA. Like you would look yeah. around and like. Um, there weren't like $500 shoes that look like you got at a thrift store. It's like, yeah. you know, there's some, there's, <laughs> yeah, some, <no. laughs> there's some uppity people up there, Tony. And I don't know. You're amiable and you get along with everybody. I get angry and insecure and lash out and want to attack and want my kid to go to a different school. Because those people just, I don't know. They just rub me the wrong way. There's a lot of just delusional, I don't know. They just, I don't know. You're right, I don't know.
1: How old are your kids now, Tony? Ten and uh, ten and fourteen.
3: So one of them is in high right. school now, and one of them is about yeah. to start at, at Mount Washington. Is that coming time?
1: Clementine, Clementine oh. is ten, and Tucker is fourteen. And Bob's right. It was a lot of there was a lot of third grade mom in yoga pants, a lot of Tesla cars. Yeah, Tesla's like, of, I, I, like Tesla's like, like crazy.
0: Cars. Like they should have put a charging station up there. Anyways, so now I feel much better because Elvis goes to middle school here in Pomona and very like working class neighborhood. I feel totally at home there. Like wave to people. You know, what's funny is like, Driving up and people are blasting music and they're always blasting like Bad Religion and stuff and because it's like Pomona and it's like normal people and I just always felt like there's a lot of Bjork being listened to up at our kids' school (laughs) some Bjork a little Bjork a little you know what I mean (laughs) A a little too much a little Elliot Smith a little Bjork fucking Pomona Chuck. Bad Religion, Metallica, <laughs> like fucking normal people music.
1: <laughs> a little little Sammy Hagar.
0: Little, Sam, a little, I played. I played N.W.A. And Elvis is like, you're really not going to play this, and I was like, listen, you know, N.W.A. <laughs> Everybody loves N.W.A. <laughs> Sid loves that the song "Fuck the Police." She just loves that song. <laughs> 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 she gets this look at her face like oh my god I can't believe we're listening to this it's just so cute and funny but um, and she told Chrissy when we came home like daddy played F, f-, f-, f- the police again and she goes you know <laughs> they have MF in there she, she listened to all the things they have like MF in there F in there N word in there and, and then she went like this she goes I don't know if they said the S word I don't know if they said they <laughs> <laughs> I said, <laughs> I'm, sure they, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. <laughs> I don't know. But, but can you imagine maybe, Tony maybe. playing NWA playing in the drop-off line at uh, Mount Washington School? I don't think he'd uh, be very popular. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Uh-uh. It's our last year.
0: That song never stops being shocking, does it? Is there oh, ever a time you've listened to that song and you don't go, holy God, that is fucking crazy they released that song.
1: Yeah, How are they
0: still... Here's the thing I thought when it came out. These guys are going to be dead very soon. Yeah. It's all going to be accidental police involvement. Yeah. But this is not going to end well. And the fact that <laughs> Ice Cube has has is in G-rated movies is just yeah. crazy. It shows you like the world is nuts. It, no telling what can happen. The guy who says... Fuck the police come straight from the underground. Is the same guy that is in the movie, Chuck. Are we there, there yet? <laughs> yeah, I
2: know. I know. <laughs> <That>
3: <laughs> made another, they made another kids movie, a uh, sports movie called The Comebacks, and it's Ice Cube, and it's directed by Fred Durst. It's a real feel-good movie. Oh, my, oh my Who God. <laughs> Who would have
0: thought? <laughs> <Who would've> thought? <laughs> thought? Who would have thought?
3: Who
2: would have watched?
0: <laughs> the end of Western civilization became child-friendly uh, feature film star and yeah. ride along. Yeah. I remember ride along or r- what was it called with Kevin Hart? That was a good movie. Yeah, but,
2: well, isn't that um, weird people- that 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 they that that group ended up way more civilized and. And way the most society successful. as a whole hey, has, has NWA,
0: let's just go through this nwa has got to be the most successful post music career artist ever in history dr dre's an entrepreneur creative beats ice cubes a movie star right Eazy-E's an icon legend. I bet you they're still selling millions of dollars of Easy shirts. Oh sure, like that. Records. That band is Records. that band is way bigger than the Pixies, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? Way I'll bigger say, than Bjork. I never, I never get
3: starstruck uh, working my job, but one time I was on the backstage of Coachella. There was Run the Jewels playing, and Zach from Rage Against the Machine was singing with them. But on the dock, it was like all clear on the stage. And the only people that were allowed to be on the dock, it was everybody from NWA except for Dr. Dre and Gangsta Boo, who passed away last year from a drug overdose from Three Six Mafia. And they were all just watching Run the Jewels. They were all there for love of music. They were the sweetest people. I was terrified for a second, and then I was starstruck. And then they were just the coolest people.
0: It was awesome. That's crazy. Yeah, so anyways uh Tony thanks for coming on thanks for being a part of don't die thanks for being a part of Tony's sponsors uh, thanks for always being that humble gracious person that you are
1: and yeah oh at your uh, at the memorial and I was watching you and I just realized is that now when you sing you kind of did it back in the day but now when you sing it's like you're testifying now it's amazing yeah. dude. Oh, nice. like, yeah, it was like holy shit! Look at that! I've never hit me before, but anyways that was it. Was it? it warmed my heart. It was fucking awesome. Did you? Did
0: you talk to Xander? Walked up to me after the second song and said, "This is the best Thelonious monster ever sounded." It's on, like, the, up, it's on the shut mic. Shut up, It's on the mic.
1: He talked right into
0: your <laughs> microphone. You can hear it in the crowd. Right. Like, what are you talking about? We were
2: good back in the day, yeah, too. Yeah. But, this but is I so know much that. better than when Mike was in it. <laughs> 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 That's what Xander was saying. <laughs> oh.
3: So is that really the <laughs> Sorry, end? Sorry, Xander. <laughs> so is that really the end, then, if you guys played so if we played so great, you know? People were lucky
2: sad. to be there. He, he just said it again. People were lucky to be there.
3: They were. There you go. No false modesty.
0: No, it's 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 not. It's like you know, because when somebody good though doesn't play that much, like there's good people that play all the time. So, so if you go see Peter Case, he's good all the time. He played like a block from my house, like you know the so. And they're good. They're consistently good. Steve Earl, I go see Pete Case. I saw. I go see X. I saw X at the Observatory. I saw X at the Roxy. Like, there's bands that are good, that are consistently good, and they play a lot, and you can go see them. There's yeah. bands that you never know whether they're going to be good or bad, and they don't ever play like us. So you yeah. don't know whether we're going to be good or not. And we never play. <laughs> so the chances <laughs> you're gonna see that you're going to see a good was- show
1: are slim part- or none. <laughs> <laughs> but that was part of the whole thing, man. You never knew what's going to happen. Is it going to be a... Train wreck, or is it gonna be rocking? Who knows? And Chuck, this had them.
0: nothing to do with like practice. We're talking about practice, not a gig, not a gig. We're talking about practice. And <laughs> and and we 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 would have a great show, like kill it. People going nuts, play for two and a half hours one night. The very next night, the same band just suck, and it's like a plane that can't get off the ground. How do you explain uh-huh. that?
2: yeah you know what there there is there is something bigger than just people playing music there's chemistry there's one person can be off and it can mess up the whole thing especially a drummer right if a drummer's not having a good night the whole thing sucks bad attitude man if you if you don't turn yourself over to it and just allow it to happen it can be a motherfucker you guys let it happen on that sunday afternoon It wasn't right. about. It, it, you didn't say this has to be the best show ever. You said we're going to showcase some music, uh, that was a part of Mike's life, and I think everybody did that that day. And I think that that that's what made it great. It wasn't it wasn't an ego thing. No one was right. saying these people are here to see us today.
1: The, nah, most
2: of the paying patrons, you, you know, yeah. So it's just like
0: it was. It was, it was I, amazing. All right, we gotta go. It's nine o'clock I gotta oh, yeah. get the kids to bed. I'm hoping they fell asleep, but you know. I'm not okay. I'm not, not the gr- I'm not a good parent like you, Tony. Like I'm gonna go check in and see if everybody's asleep. Are they already like, asleep, Tony?
1: Know.
0: Are they already in bed, Tony? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're already asleep. Yeah, around here we just kinda like let it flow. <laughs> like uh <laughs> but but um but but usually Sid always does the right thing. I just always does the wrong thing. And Elvis, you never know. He's very up and down. I think hey, he, he's he's getting straight A's. Don't fuck with that kid. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He, yeah. Whatever's going he's on. He's doing it. music. Let him
0: keep he's enjoying doing hair. life and he's
3: and
2: school's important. <laughs> what Is about
0: what about hey, hey Chuck, what about when it's like ten thirty at night and you hear talking, and you go in there and you think somebody's there and he's on his phone. What do you do about that? Oh. What do you do about that? I'm talking on the phone at ten thirty.
1: Did you go in there and go, Hey, we're we're trying to sleep.
0: You say, Hey, we're trying to sleep. Come on. Well that's it, yeah, that's what I say. Like, dude, I no, you know what I say? Even see see Tony's a good parent. Chuck, he says, Hey, we're we're all trying to sleep, so that you can reason. I go and (laughs) go, if you let if you wake Idris up, I will fucking kill you. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, oh no. Is that about the same thing? It's kind of the same thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't
3: know. He's getting straight A's. I don't know.
2: <laughs> again, again, if you, if, if you know, that's the thing, like with, with my older kids, it was, that's fine. It, but it was, you know, be courteous. There's other people in the house, but you're going to school no matter no matter what tomorrow morning. No, but don't am I? How yeah, yeah. you are
0: am i a bad because per- if he wakes it up i'm you know so he'll go back to sleep i just wakes up i walk on pins and needles once idris is asleep because yeah, if he wakes up he'll be he'll be up for three fucking hours right it, you're scared and he, and he acts like it's nine in the morning like i want to go he'll say i want to go outside Outside, and he'll open the door. I was like, like there's bears out there." I say, "There's bears out there," and he just keeps walking right out into the darkness. Like, oh my God, it's rare. It's rare. He's like a rare child.
3: He reminds me of me, and if I, if I, I'm guessing he reminds
0: you of you when you were that age. All right, we gotta go to sleep. It's
1: ten All after right. nine. Alright, love you guys. Good night guys. Great to see you. Good night everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good
0: to see you Tony. Good night. Good to see you Tony. Bye.